friends, and welcome to this edition of the Thirsty Dog Strength Pod. Let's just start that one all over again. Let's let it run. That's fitting. That's fitting. That uh, great. I think we just let it run. <laughs> I got to start that over. <sighs> Three, two. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Thirsty Dogs Drink Faster podcast on the SP Nation <laughs> Podcast Network. I am Paul Hudrick, and I am joined by Seamus Glancy. We shouldn't be laughing because we're both. Are we are we laughing to avoid crying? Is that what's happening right now? Classic um, defense mechanism. Yes, uh, we know nothing about those types of things. Um, <laughs> but your Philadelphia Eagles finally lose a football game. We'll get into that. Um, I didn't see. It coming this week. Uh, I'm not sure you saw it coming at all, Seamus. Then uh, we're gonna, of course, touch on Joel Embiid and a monster, monster, monster performance on Sunday night. Uh, I was in the building for that incredible, incredible atmosphere. We're we're, de- we're gonna touch plenty on that and the Sixers moving forward. The Flyers, a brutal, brutal week and last few days for them and for their head coach in particular. We'll get get on that. Uh, Philly's not a whole lot of stuff, but there is some 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 buzz floating free agent wise and a, a minor move they made as well. So we're going to get into all that too, but we got to talk Eagles first. They lose to the Washington commanders. Pretty flat loss. There were moments in the second half where I certainly felt like, all right, here we go. They're going to write the ship. This is it. And then they, you know, either stepped on their own foot or they got hosed by some pretty horrendous officiating um, down the stretch. Now to me, I am a type of guy like, you can't blame officiating for losing, especially when you let a team that hadn't scored more than 17 points the last two weeks score 20 on you in the first half. You don't you then don't get the gripe about officiating um, late in the game, especially when you're as good as the Eagles are. Uh, that's how I feel about it. I want to start with for me, I. I didn't think they were going to go undefeated. I, I I felt like they were going to lose a game on top of that. I felt like it was going to be a division game. They were going to lose. I thought. You know, a split with the Giants made sense. Yeah, losing I think we said Dallas, like losing in the losing the Giants in the Meadowlands felt like the yeah, first loss to me. That or losing to the yeah, losing to the Cowboys that seemed very legitimate as well in, in Dallas with Dak back, all that. I did not see their first loss coming at home against the Washington Commanders against a guy named Henneke. Um Did not see any of that coming. Where I, I know you thought that there was a good chance that they could. Maybe not run the t- or or at least you thought if they were going to lose, it was almost of their own volition. Like they were going to win yeah. all their games and then rest guys. So I, I could have foreseen them going yeah. fourteen or fifteen to no, and then playing each the starters a half and then a quarter respectively in the final two weeks of the season. And I mean, here we are, and, and here we are, and never everyone the, the town's on fire now in the worst possible way. It was terrible. I was there, and it was one of those things where you think they're eventually going to pull it out and you're waiting and waiting for that shoe to drop. And then you have this turnover and you have that 10 and you're mm-hmm. thinking, Holy, sh- this isn't happening. And on Philly voice every week, I write an article of three pivotal plays that determine the game. And in my head, it's become three pivotal plays and the Eagles wins because since I've been with the company, I've only covered <laughs> wins. And it was a situation where still five, six minutes left in the fourth quarter. I haven't fully written the article yet. Cause I'm just thinking, they're probably going to pull this out, right? I'm not going to waste my time pre-writing this commander's win when we know they're going to pull it out. And then once the the Goddard no face mask thing that uh, just, again, different with the relationship of the team, but poor officiating is poor officiating to me. And yes. just made my blood absolutely boiled that. And it's a safety issue, too, because now he's hurt. Right. Got his head ripped off. And then another guy jumped on him as his head was getting ripped off. Punch the ball loose. Now he's going to be out probably like a month. How do these people have jobs? <laughs> I'm not perfect at my job, nor is anyone, but seems more likely than not that they're absolutely disgusting and tired about their jobs. And it's an epidemic running throughout professional and collegiate sports. Well, especially the NFL. That's what bothers me the most because they don't have full-time officials, right? Correct. And you are the richest league in professional sports. Why don't you have full-time people officiating games, you cheap asses? Like, what? Like train full-time people to do this job. Don't hire a bunch of accountants to also rep on the side. Like, this isn't peewee. Like, this isn't Little League. What are we doing? Um, And, yeah, and then obviously the C.J. Gardner-Johnson play, you, you call that, 
but then you miss the Goddard face mask. Like, how does that happen? And when you're the official and you're looking, he was at right him, there. He was right, right there. there, looking to see whether he fumbled. How do you miss the guy getting his face mask and ripping? And it wasn't like I like someone said on Twitter, this was an old school 15 yarder. Like now they're all 15 yarders. But in old school, you remember it was either a five yarder for unintentional if you let go of the face mask, or 15 if you really yanked the guy down. That was an old school 15 yarder. That was a a blatant malicious face mask and for it not to go. And then, like you said, just the, the insult literally to injury that Goddard is also hurt. Like and Goddard's been playing, like as we've talked about many times, he's playing like one of the, if not the best tight end in football right now. So to lose yeah. him at this juncture of the season, I, it's one. I thank goodness. It's not season ending and they should get him back for the playoffs. And, you know, hopefully he gets a couple games to, you know, get a little tune up before that. But he's been so crucial to this offense, and he's such an all-around good player, right? Like he's not just a guy who catches a bunch of passes. He's a great blocker. He, he you know, he's he's been in the system for years, so he knows the offense and just is such a key cog. So it's such a huge loss. And you know, you're talking about the momentum plays, the Quez Watkins fumble. I mean, because to me that felt like it, right? Like when Watkins catches, he shouldn't, that even, pass, have, he shouldn't even had to fall. It hit him in stride. Yeah, that should have been a beautiful wall. throw into the end zone. Jalen yep. Hurts had two unbelievable 50-yard-plus throws yep. that went at least at minimum in the hands of their wide receivers and neither resulted in the Eagles having the ball after that play. Yep. A.J. Brown deep ball in a double coverage, and you're thinking, well, maybe you shouldn't throw into a guy that's covering. You get A.J. Brown so you could have those 50-50 balls downfield. That's what he does. And this season, it's been more so like 80-20 balls with him. Yeah. So how could you not have confidence in doing that? And you want to criticize Hurts for doing that? And it seemed like in the immediate aftermath, that's what was happening online. But once you saw the ball, was literally in A.J. Brown's hands that quelled down. But then the Hurts lines up, zips that ball downfield. The question, like, oh, my God, Jalen just led this comeback. It's happening. It's happening. And then Quez goes down. He's like, oh, he's going to pop up, back up, get another 10 yards, maybe even get in the end zone. And then that ball squirts out, and then you see Devontae Smith coming out of nowhere. I'm like, is Devontae going to recover? Are they going to be at the 10? And I, I couldn't believe what I was watching unfold. And it felt like the type of loss that, given the start of the season, the last few months, it feels like a relic of a different era, right? It feels like a 2018, 2019 loss when expectations are high for the team, and they have these crushing defeats. And, yes, it's different to be losing and going – five and seven like they might have in 2018 after you know losing some games then as opposed to going down eight and one I'm sure like I wrote my for Philly voice before the season every Eagles fan would have taken eight and one if it was offered to them but they certainly wouldn't have wanted that one in the loss column to be like that right and that's what it is for me like this is still a I think a, a very good football team a, a really good I, Perhaps I still expect them to make the Super Bowl. I still expect them yeah, to make the Super Bowl. I, 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 if I, if the line it up against the Minnesota Vikings right now, I still take the Eagles right now. I absolutely do. Uh, watching the Buffalo Bills the past couple of weeks, I'm, I, I'm feeling I would feel better about that matchup too. Um, the Eagles still, to me, are the most complete team in the NFL, and that was mentioned on the broadcast several times. What kill? What was hard to watch last night is. I believe the commanders came in 28th ranked rushing attack. And for the second week in a row, the Eagles just get gouged in the running game. And I, it's funny because I, I can stomach it with the Texans, right? Because they, they've done a pretty good job running the football. Pierce has had a hell of a season. For a team like the commanders, who's had, you know, offensive linemen shuffling in and out, they do have some good players. They have Turner, they have Norwell. They have some pretty good players on the offensive line, but just to see them get gashed over and over again. And I did see one thing um, someone pointed out that if you look at the PFF rankings, which, you know, take them or leave them, they're there. But uh, They're good know. when they say the Eagles are good, they're bad when they sure. say the no, Eagles and, are bad. And they're, they're, they can be a barometer of things at times. Uh, when you look at, uh, you know, Jordan Davis and Javon Hargrave were like top 15 defensive tackles in the NFL. Um, attack, you know, uh, and now Fletcher Cox... And I, I'm gonna, I'm not even gonna try to say his name because I'm gonna flip it up. Um, the kid they got from USC a couple of years ago, him and Fletcher Cox are, are literally in the bottom third of the NFL right now. As Fletcher far Cox as, has been is terrible right now. He's, he's not shame having a good because year. he's a he's guy not. who's 
a Super Bowl hero, multiple time All Pro, will be in the Eagles, you know, uh, Hall of Fame eventually. Ninety one might get retired someday. That might happen. But Howie Roseman cutting him and then giving him fourteen million dollar deal. Uh, in an offseason where Howie seemed to be batting a thousand, that might be the lone blemish. And certainly yeah. you'll take what he's given this offseason, he's done a masterful job in reconstructing this roster. But it is sort of like the last vestige that the organization is tied to that Super Bowl run and that error that's gone by, whether it's Chip or even Andy and and Doug, is this Fletcher Cox, uh, you know, aura. Uh, that that's there and they can no longer consider him the Fletcher Cox of 2017, 2018. He hasn't been that guy really. I think his uh, since maybe like 2019 has been on a precipice downturn and uh, he's had some good games to start the season, but he is not the run defender. He was when he was young and it's, it's pretty abundantly clear. And we're, can we get Jordan Davis some defensive rookie of the year votes by Jeez. Kind of oh, a mission the way in <laughs> 2011, the what are the, the Indianapolis Colts win go one and 15 because Peyton Manning misses the season with neck surgery. Peyton Manning should have won MVP that year because it showcased that this team was absolutely nothing without him for yeah. so long. Uh, it only speaks to the town of Jordan Davis. And it's funny now because everyone was saying, not just during the pre draft process of the season, like, oh, Jordan Davis is not there on passing out enough. He's just stopping the right. run, he's just doing this. I'm like, well, it would have been really nice for the birds, I think, if he was out there stuffing the run the last two weeks because <sighs> Thursday night football would have been a breeze and then they would have won against Washington. So yeah. I think Jordan Davis does just fine. And he was coming along and getting in some of those four-man fronts rather than those five-man fronts as a pass rusher. And now that progress has been like stymied a bit and he's not on the true developmental curve that Eagles fans or media would have thought or hoped he would be right now and it absolutely sucks for them and it sucks for Jordan Davis and I think with Fletcher Cox now to me uh, and I'm with you he just he has not been in I've I've loved Fletcher Cox he's, he's been one of my favorite players here but Legend. he's not the Legend. same guy he's not the same guy and with Davis out I think it's an overuse issue. I think he is just playing too totally, many snaps. Totally. Um, I think he could be affected. You like you mentioned early in the season, I thought he looked pretty good, and I think that's because the way they Gannon was able to use him. Um, he was able to use him in in, in you know advantageous situations and give him less when, snaps. Exactly when he needed a blow, he could come out. Um, and now it, that hasn't been the case. So it's it's a little bit. I mean it's. Not a little bit. It's a pretty big concern. I mean, listen, Jordan Davis isn't out for the season, right? I mean, he'll be back, I think, just in time for them to play the Titans. I believe he, he's eligible to come off IR, which is, whew. Uh, that's Derrick Henry's going to put up yeah. 250 on the ground. Good Lord. Yeah, if Jordan Davis isn't back, that would not be great. Um, They're going to have to take, they're going to have to play Indy without him, which isn't very reassuring Uh, with that Jonathan Taylor fella in the backfield. Were you at all a little bit, though, surprised? And I don't want to go, and again, and I, don't, I think we've done a good job of not doing this every time the defense has struggled, not go full-on fire John Jonathan Gannon, but it did feel like they played off coverage a lot. They didn't really show Heineke much in the way of blitzes or anything kind of funky here and there, but just not to me. I think maybe he could. When you have a quarterback like that who – is a backup who's inexperienced and quite frankly is just not very good. Doesn't it behoove you to maybe show him some different stuff, maybe throw him a blitz and maybe just confuse him a little bit, mix him up and just throw off his timing. Um, I, I thought maybe we could have seen a little bit more of that. I know, listen, McLaurin's awesome. He's, I, I think because of where he plays and because of who his quarterbacks have been, he's been underrated because he just hasn't had the the guys to get him the football. But don't you think, one, they could have played, and it wasn't the whole game, but it felt like a lot of the game, the coverage was soft. And then also, again, I, I just thought they could have thrown a little bit more pressure on them, a little bit less four-man fronts um, throughout the game. I feel like Jonathan Gannon's defense is designed to do that. It's based on eliminating big plays. So those little runs and the adds up and these seven, eight-yard completions – that's almost what he wants is to kind of take what allow the offense to take what they can get. And sometimes it works when the pass rush is there and the coverage is tight and it's a trickle down effect 
with Avante Maddox's injury. And the, the trade deadline happened like two weeks too early for them with the, all the injuries they're facing right. now. It's rocking. Could have had a tight end, tackle. Robert Quinn, uh, absolute Casper ghost out there uh, the last three weeks. And I don't know. I, I would have let him more. Uh, an inexperienced – well, he's had he, – that was his 20th career start. So he's not totally inexperienced. Sure. But uh, guys who aren't established veterans, who aren't established as good players, frankly, just to be safe flat out, putting additional pressure on him, especially because he's a turnover machine going into – he's started 20 games – he threw an interception in 16 of them and had had five multi-interception games. The interception he threw how do you, was bad. How do, And he once you see that, how <laughs> do you not put more pressure on him to make him increasingly erratic? You let him just dink, 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 Terry McLaurin, Terry McLaurin, Terry McLaurin. Also, Terry McLaurin was taken roughly 18 picks after the Eagles drafted J.J. Ortega-Whiteside in mm. 2019, in case you need some more salt mm-hmm. in the wounds. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, that's that's when people talk about how good of a offseason Howie Roseman had, and he did all the credit in the world. But you, all, we also do have to acknowledge that he does have to, like he's clean. He's cleaning up his own mess, right? Like he's not cleaning up someone else's mess. He's cleaning up his own. Um, when you have to trade for AJ Brown, uh, and don't get me wrong, I'm delighted AJ Brown is here. But when you have to trade, um, you know. Uh, and when you have to trade up to get a Devonte Smith and perhaps pass on a guy named Micah Parsons who went a couple picks later, because um, you f- horrendously missed on your first and second round picks at the wide receiver position, um, when you could have had DK Metcalf and 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 McLaurin or or what you know name or Justin Jefferson like name a guy whatever. Um, so yeah, I mean cleaning up his own mess. Not and, and I don't want to get too negative. We're I feel like we're steering like perhaps a bit too negative. And I can't listen. We're, we're steering we're both, towards the bridge. Yeah, we're we really are. Um, and I can just hear it's. I can hear it in your voice. I heard it in your voice as soon as we even before the podcast started. I could just hear it. Um, it does, mix it of the, the the Eagles lost, so the city's deflated and like real seasonal depression. Winners yes. here, hours. It's really a rough mix right now. Right, like, dude, I hate this shit. Like, I I look, it looks so gray and dre- like it feels like winter. This sucks. Fucking three o'clock <laughs> and it's gray outside. I know this sucks. I'm with you. Um, and I'm having to bundle my son up and everything. And I'm like, damn, man, like I. This sucks. Um, but anyway, uh... last night I had planned all day. I had the other day I bought a six pack of Mad Elf. Oh, okay. Uh, so all day, like, you know, I'm gonna come over for the game, get done work, and it's gonna be like 1 30 in the morning. I'm gonna have a Mad Elf, and it's gonna be like really relaxing after the game. Last I got home, I was like, I, did, I just want to go to sleep. I just want to like, I get up, do work tomorrow, do my job, do things I need to do in terms of covering this team and being an editor and all this shit. And I was like, I'm just going to bed. It ruined that like little moment, like that Zach Lowe one beer challenge <laughs> energy. I wanted my one post Sunday night or Monday night, I should say, uh, beer, but I did not get it. You say that, and I had a similar situation. Clear, like I don't cover the Eagles, so I get to just enjoy them from the comfort of my home. Uh, we had Miles' first birthday party over the weekend, and happy we birthday, Miles. Yeah, th- well, it's it's a little early. We got this ten days, twenty fifth. We threw it early so it doesn't get too close to. Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving and the like, but anyway, was he um, born on Thanksgiving. Yes, he was. Oh, that's awesome. Born on the well. <laughs> I mean, it's like I, cool. I mean, yeah, it's cool. No, you it's might cool. hate it's it. It's a cool story. Point. Yeah, yeah, it, it was a cool story. Um, I just hated that I got I missed out on food. My mom was very sweet and saved my my fiance and I a nice big plate so we got to eat the next day. Um, when we or not the next day, but when we brought him home from the hospital, um, a couple of days later. So when he's in his early days. when he's in his early twenties, he'll love his birthday being on Thanksgiving Eve and stuff like that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, there's cool stuff to it. But anyway, I had a lot of um beer left over from from said party. Uh, so I had one crappy beer, and then I had a bunch What's of the, what Coors Light. Um, I so we had Coors Light, Mick Ultra. I had a Mick Ultra with with my dinner. And then uh, we had a bunch of. I also got uh, Fuego from Tonewood, their their flagship IPA. I got that I've had just, it. I've had just, it. To, just to have that in the mix. So I had some of that left over too. So I'm like, all right, I'm saving that for the game. I had one, and then like by halftime, I was done drinking that, and I'm like, I don't, I don't want another one, because I was just so like annoyed by watching the game. I didn't even want another beer. Um, when yeah. I was more of a fan and drinking during games before I was like obviously covering them in person sure. and like an actual media member. 
Um, if I was watching at home and they were starting to do poorly, I would stop drinking. And maybe it's the inverse for some people. Like, oh, I'm pissed. I want to like yeah. clog some cans. I'm like, I need to literally stop drinking, recenter myself, calm the frig down and realize I'm going to have another nine hours the rest of my day after this to like have to act like a normal human being. So I got to chill the fuck out. It's gross. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, I was doing that. Like I would start doing that, like, you know, 20, 21, 22. And then, you know, and then the worst is if they're, you know, it's late, you're, you're pounding and then they lose at the last second or, and it's like, Oh my God, this is the worst film. You're in. It just does. It feels like, and it's the first time we, I have felt this all season. We're like, I watched the game and it's like 11 o'clock at night. And I'm like, I, I like I feel like I wasted three hours of my life. You know what I mean? Like it's it's I, you didn't. You know what I mean? Like you 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 watch it, but it just it just feels that way. Like immediately after, because you're so pissed off that they lost. And uh, yeah, like and like I, I don't even want to drink any more beer. And my my son's in bed, and I just and it's like you start thinking like you know he's probably gonna wake up in the middle of the night and blah blah blah. And you just start all the things, all the things catastrophizing. Yes, <laughs> and I gotta I gotta wake up early and finish the story. I didn't finish writing. I could have done that for the last three hours instead of doing this and like stuff like that. But anyway, um, for this rosy edition of the Thirsty Dogs Drink Faster podcast, um, I do want to touch on a rosy thing, and we're gonna we're gonna take a quick break, but we're definitely gonna touch on Joel Embiid, masterful, wonderful performance on Sunday night against the Utah Jazz. We're gonna touch a little on Flyers, a little bit on Phillies, but we are gonna take. A quick break right now. More on the Thirsty Dogs Drink Faster podcast right after this. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And we're back and we have to talk about Joel and me. We got to bring the spirits up like a little bit, right? Um, hell of a night. Pretty Can good. I reveal something I wish I d- didn't have to? Did not. I missed the game. I had watched hundreds of terrible Sixers games in my life. And you just made me knock I, over my Batman poster. That's how much you upset me. I had I rarely get an NFL Sunday off, and I did this week because the Eagles weren't playing. So I went to my buddy's house, did like a little red zone Sunday, and I was watching that. Came home, it's eight o'clock or so. You know, watched an hour of TV with my fiance, and then went to bed early. And then I wake up, I'm like, "Are you effing kidding me?" All the games wow. I've suffered through during my time as a fan. I had one chance to watch this guy drop almost a 60-point quadruple double. I only heard about it hours, hours later. Oh, man. Hopefully you read all about it at libertyballers.com. I read everything I could about it. It was was amazing. Happy for the – it's one of those things where you're just kind of happy that happened and it exists for, like, the city and the fan base. In perpetuity, it is there. You cannot take away Joel Embiid putting up 59 points. 11 rebounds, 8 assists, 7 blocks. We I call that a uh, a Wednesday for Will Chamberlain. <laughs> That's I dude, I got to say this. I hate cuz I know you and I talk about gatekeeping and all that stuff all the time and how annoying that is. When someone um cuz uh, no one has ever accomplished that stat line, right? Like no one's ever done 59, 11, 8 and 7 blocks. No one's ever done that. Well, Everyone yes. that has to has to do the whole well blocks weren't a stat till 72, 74. So Will Chamberlain did this like 10 times. Okay, we I all swung, get it. So Joel Embiid and on. Wilt Chamberlain are the only people to do it. That does not take away from how spectacular it was. Like, what do we? I just, I can't. I it bothers me to no end. Like, we all get it. Okay, like we, you don't have to be that guy anyway. I, I used to not be like the biggest Wilt guy because I was more like just like a nerd. Like, oh, he played against you know garbage men and shit like that. And yeah. I'm like, then I just swung. I swung the other way, and I was like, this guy's like the greatest Philadelphia basketball player ever from high school to the pros. Yeah. And he's doing shit. Like he changed the complexion of the game. They literally changed rules, changed rules, changed how the game was played and just puts up stats that don't exist now. I mean, he's uh, basketball Babe Ruth. Yeah. 
and he would, yeah, wouldn't it's, be. It's, it's like he's fake. It, it is like he's not real in, in a lot I would of ways. He's say he's be a, a top six, seven player ever to me, but also like I kind of like having the troll. He's the goat thing too. Yeah, you and I have discussed this. I think it's it was off podcast we discussed this, but I hate, I hate that shit. I hate the goat I conversations. It. I, love I it. hate it's it. It's fun. It's so eras. Fun. Will Chamberlain was the greatest. Will Chamberlain, and Bill Russell, greatest players of their era. Cool. Michael Jordan, greatest players, player of his era. LeBron James, greatest of his. Done. I'm good. Don't need to go any more into that. Sean um, Moran, greatest player of his era. Too. Okay. <laughs> Maybe that could happen. He's only twenty. There was a nice, was a nice article on uh, SportsIllustrated.com today that I read. Uh, thought of it because of the Grizzlies connection on. Mm. What went wrong for the Grizzlies and Vancouver? I saw that article. Uh, sort of an MB, if you're a basketball history buff to a degree, I would consider myself one. Uh, definitely worth checking out on there. It was, it was nice. And, uh, you know, if you're like a basketball hipster, it's nice to have that stuff. I'm sure I'm not the only person who's owned some Vancouver Grizzlies merchandise in my life. Uh, but it was cool. Well, kudos was to the Grizzlies for bringing back more of that, the, that, that color. I didn't know what is that gr- like a, is it greenish bluish? Like what, how would you describe that color? I mean, imperfectly it's teal, but it's not teal. Yeah. Maybe like a it's beautiful. Somewhere color. between teal and forest green. It just the color screams Pacific Northwest. Yes. That's literally the only thing they got right. Yeah. The uniform that, and they drafted Sharif Abdurrahim, who was one of my favorite basketball players of all time. Um, but big yeah, country. They, big country. That was a terrible pick because he was not very good. Um yeah, I remember when is them and the Raptors coming in at the same time. It was good times. That, shit like that makes me feel so old. Like literally, I was like, I I remember playing like NBA Live on Nintendo or Super. It might have been Super Nintendo at that point. Um, yeah, I guess I had to be right. Super Nintendo playing NBA Live and like, oh cool, we get to play with these two new teams. This is fun. And now that makes me feel depressingly old. Anyway. Miles could, will be uh, mind blown. There was a team that existed called the Charlotte Bobcats, and they were named <laughs> the Bobcats because their owner's name was Bob, and that's why he named the team as such. Yes. Oh man, and how and the Hornets, how they were in Charlotte, then they were in New Orleans for some reason, and then having I liked those- that. I like that they took the history back. I think that should happen. I yes. wish it won't happen with the Grizzlies because they're so uh, just entwined with that city now. Uh, but I wish if they NBA got them like another team in Vancouver, they could take it back. I think. Uh, you know, Seattle doesn't have the rights to the Sonics. I don't. I don't. I don't know if they do or not. I think I don't know either. But that needs to have. They just need to bring the Sonics back to another team that in my youth. You got I, an NHL Kemp, team in Seattle before an NBA team. I know. Sad. Sean Kemp was like my, uh, before Allen Iverson. Sean Kemp was my favorite player. I love Sean Kemp, uh, the Rain Man. Was he just dude like, was six. Like Proto Blake. Yeah. I mean, he was. I mean, I, I think he was. Not as good of a passer, but maybe. More, I would say he's more, and he's more skilled than Blake. Like skilled as far as like he could actually take dudes off the dribble and like. I mean, and you know, he had a mid-range shot. He never because guys didn't shoot threes. Like guys who were six ten were you know were told never to shoot threes ever. So he probably could have done it if they had done it if that was a thing. But, um, yeah, six ten and doing like windmill dunks like it was just not a thing that happened. He was incredible. But anyway, Joel. Speaking of incredible, Joel Embiid. And being there, it was so wild. What was Especially, the atmosphere in the crowd painted painted for me? Well, what's funny is early on, it was kind of just like uh, Sunday night against Utah, and I think we all like the media felt that way. Like I think we all felt that, like covering the game. Uh, I think the crowd even sort of felt like that. Like the loudest was when they showed at, they showed the the Packers they showed Mason Crosby kicking the field goal to beat Dallas. That was the allowed. That was the loudest the arena was until like the fourth quarter, like legitimately, um, because it just that's just the way it felt like. And they were down. They were down most of the game. They were down at halftime, and they didn't really. They were just like man. I mean, Embiid was. It was it, and it just it, it was so typical when when Harden's out and it's just like Embiid and it's cool. Joel Embiid has you know whatever he had twenty four points at halftime and no one else is doing anything. Like okay, this happens pretty often. This is what this is like. We're it's formulaic. We're used to it. Um, so. But it was when, so to me, for me, when I started feeling like, okay, this isn't normal, like something, something is happening here, was when the third quarter ended. He had 33, 8, and 8. That's preposterous through three quarters. And so, like, someone like commented on it, said, like, oh, but this is like what he does. I'm like, dude, he's got a chance to put up a 50 point triple double. That's not what, like, that's not normal. Um, Little did I know he almost put up a 60 point quadruple double, but, 
Um, and I just remember, you know, the people like we're all in press row and it got to a point during the fourth quarter. He, so he blocked, I think five of his seven shots in the fourth. It got to a point where we were laughing because either he was blocking the shot or challenged. Like he challenged every shot Utah took at the rim. He was there, whether they made it or not, or whether he even deterred it. Like he was there for every shot they took at the rim. I feel like all their baskets came on offensive rebounds after he, after they missed shots and be contested. Like yeah. it was wild to watch, like just a guy just destroy the game. Like he destroyed their offense and then he comes down the other end and it's just making everything. And what made it very Sixers too is how comically poor, uh, poorly everyone else shot <laughs> to end the game. Like Tobias Harris blew two bunnies. Then there was one possession. Tobias beat came out for two minutes in the fourth quarter. I don't even know if it was all two minutes. It might have been like a minute and however many seconds. And beat comes out. They have this possession. They work the ball around. They get a pretty good shot. It, it rims off. They get an offensive rebound. Goes out to Tobias Harris. Corner three, wide open. Out. Get another offensive rebound. Tyrese Maxey on the wing. Wide open three. Miss. And it was like, like literally, he has to play the entire rest of the game or they're not going to win. Because it, yeah. it was it was just, that. that's where we were. And it just, yeah, I mean, you definitely, once, like, in the fourth quarter, you felt it. Like, and the arena felt it. Like, it was just, yeah. the energy was wild for the fourth quarter. Um, and it's just such a cool vibe post-game, too, to be around that. You know, Doc Rivers talking like for a guy like Doc Rivers, who has been around forever to say he's never seen a more dominant two way performance in his life um, speaks Nothing. volumes. And I don't think he's saying that hyperbole. Like, I think he meant it. Uh, and, you know, Tyrese Max comes out and says, if you guys ask me a question about anything other than Joel Embiid, I'm not going to answer. <laughs> um, uh, and just like little stuff like that. And, uh, you know, the post game, you know, Embiid in the locker room was just like, it's just. They're, the vibes were so good. And for a team yeah. that the vibes have not been that good to start the season. And not this, a team historically good on vibes. Historically, yes, historically not good on vibes. True. But to me, this felt like, and now they have four days off because of a weird schedule quirk. This felt like the kind of game that it's almost like, okay, like this is like, let's regroup. We got this out of Joe, this wonderful performance. We've won a couple, you know, we've won three out of four. We've won two in a row. We're feeling pretty good. Let's fix all the things that are going wrong. And, and let's use this time and then play the Milwaukee Bucks on Friday. Like, I, I it feels, I, I you know, I'm going to say this and then I'm going to get killed when they lose like five straight games. But it just felt like this had the potential to be a turning point for the season. Okay. So I, for me, at least, if it, it feels like and they've been playing much better defense, which is in no small part because Joel Embiid has been sensational on that end of the floor. But in general, they've been much better as a team. I I could be mistaken, but I think they actually are the highest rated defensive team since Joel Embiid came back against Phoenix and they won. Um, I thought it was hilarious, too, where Joel Embiid said on Monday, after Monday night, he said, oh, no, the season actually did start tonight because the Phillies are eliminated. And now the season started tonight uh, and they're three and one since then. So it's some self-awareness from the big fella. Yeah. The three and one Sixers. That's where we are, Seamus. Three and one. Both the Sixers and the Eagles only have one loss this year. There you go. There you go. Great vibes. Great stuff. Um, Phils. Phils. Yeah. I speaking of vibes that were good for a very long time. Um, how are you? Are, are, how are you feeling now? Now, now that we're like a couple of weeks removed. Uh, so Sunday I had mentioned, I, I had some, uh, beverages, uh, you know, all day and then went to bed early, some weird dreams, which I don't think is uncommon for people when they maybe drink some beer and stuff like that. Uh, had two different dreams that I was at the parade. Oh, that hurts. It's rough. Like just in South Philly, like yeah. fragments of people like I knew in my life growing up and decked out in Philly's gear. Two different times I, I fell into it. Like. You dream it, and then you wake up for thirty seconds, and you go right back into it. Was did not. Wake I, up I wasn't there. It was. I don't know, man. You might have been at Torchwood. Torchwood. Yeah, that's the name of the brewery, right? Tonewood. Close. 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 <laughs> that's no. That hurts. That hurts. But the Phillies, uh, you know, 
plenty of buzz swirling around about, you know, Trey, Trey Turner is obviously the hot name and seems quite feasible that that's there's a lot of easy dots to connect there as far as the Phillies could use a guy to play at shortstop, move Bryson Stott over to second base. The connection to Bryce Harper, obvious their time in Washington. They became very good friends. They're very close to this day. The Phillies are going to have some money off their books. They have money to burn. John Middleton uh, proved last offseason he's not afraid to use that money. Then the other thing I saw, too, John Heyman linked them to Xander Bogarts from the Red Sox. I saw that. Citing Dombrowski's days. Uh, you know, I, I, I that's when I, I don't know the exact connection. I don't know if Dombrowski was actually a part of the the off front office that drafted him or but I certainly don't think was there was, when but yeah, he was but, there when they won with right him. certainly there when they won and he was a big part of that but I it's, I I have a buddy who's who's very in on Trey Turner I've like re, like desperately wants Trey Turner but he has conceded that if they get Correa if they get uh Bogarts if they get Danzy Swanson um he will be very okay with any of those consolation prizes I guess for you are you a Trey Turner? I think we talked about this, and I don't think you are. But are you a Trey Turner or bus guy? Will you be like? What do you? What what's kind of the? I guess what's the perfect offseason? Like what happens to you where you're like this is the Howie Roseman offseason? He nailed like Dombrowski nailed it. It's perfect. Let's go win a World Series. I'd rather use the free agent money on the pitching rotation, though I think they are more likely to swing a trade for a starting pitcher and open the wallet for positional player, probably a shortstop between one of those two guys. I would expect out of those two names, one is playing shortstop for the Phillies on opening day, though I'm not sure who. I'm texting one of my college friends from Massachusetts. Do you think the Sox will keep Xandar? I'm interested, and I'm interested to see if he thinks that is a good or move, move or not. I don't know. Guy's a good of... ball player. I, I mean, listen, listen, no matter what, again, I'm with my friend who said that. Like any of those four guys, they're all star caliber shortstops. All four of them. So if you get any of those guys, you're giving it's a it's a huge upgrade because it's you're basically the the bat you're replacing the bat with instead of Segura, right? Like any of those guys, that's basically they're replacing Segura in the lineup. Yeah. And then with respect to Stato, I think showed he's can play a capable shortstop. Any of those guys defensively, I, I would have to imagine is also an upgrade yeah. um, o- over Bryson's dot. So yeah, I, but I am with you with the pitching. I, I still like, can we be greedy? Can we say like, I want, I want why the, like, why like, the fuck not? Why I mean, they just said, what if they just signed Rodon and Trey Turner and they're like, we don't give a fuck about the luxury tax. Yes. Why not? I'm, That's I'm, the dream I'm off season is to just to go Steinbrenner mode and not give <laughs> an F that. about anything. That's exactly that's what, what I phrased it. And, Steinbrenner. And, I, and I, that's exactly what I would want from a baseball team's owner. There's luxury tax, but there ain't no salary cap. Correct. Spend, spend, spend. But I'm with, and I'm with you in this sense. Like if it's a if it's a situation where you can get Turner for X, but then your the starting pitching upgrade won't be as big. But if you sign Bogarts and you can get like a Rodon, then I want. I'm that. doing that. Yeah, I'd right. That, I, I'm sure. with you on that. Like that's. Um, with that said, yeah, like I, I, I will, I will jump up and down. I will have my Trey Turner jersey pre-ordered most likely if they sign him. I mean, he's a. He's a hell of a player and will help this team immediately put some speed at the top of the order. Um, hits the hell out of the ball, plays a good shortstop. I mean, there's um, uh, there's limitless to what this guy can do and, and help your offense and and provide. You probably put him in, I guess you put him in the two hole um, and you'd move Reese Hoskins down it, it, towards the bottom of the order, which actually, if you have a guy like Reese Hoskins hitting like seventh or eighth, maybe you hit him 10th. <laughs> Hit him in like Chicago or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, Minnesota Twins come on down. <laughs> um, I don't. Yeah, that that's we talked about that before. I don't know. I, I don't know what you would get for him is probably not worth moving him. Correct. Because you're you just, you're, you're selling at his. I guess what you would say is nadir. It's uh the worst possible time to sell on him, and because of the upside he presents because of the highs you've seen them have in the past, it really doesn't make sense because I don't think they're adequately going to pr- 
find production there at first base that replicates his raw numbers and and uh, rate stats, even though the highs and lows are maddening to the fan base. And he'll, unless he wins a World Series, he'll never live down that World Series performance, you know, that four strikeout game. Yeah. Uh, but I'm not sure they can do better at first base while making the necessary upgrades in the rotation and the middle infield. What hurts is that he can't, is that he's he's a DH, right? Like that's what hurts is he's a DH on a team that already has seven DHs. Right. Like, and you Bryce Harper had to be a DH last year. And not only that, you kind of need the DH spot because Bryce Harper ain't getting any younger and you're going to want to use him as a DH. I don't know. I don't know if Bryce will, would you play Bryce in the field again? I would only because I'm, he's better than Castellanos I, or Schwarber. Like you're, I, I you're, almost you wonder if they're better off just, just making him a better a full time DH, no, you're, you're minimizing any injury risk. Yeah. Uh, maybe that that changes. I, I don't know shit about shit in terms of medical and injury stuff, but yeah, uh, does does that change what he needs to do in terms of off season recovery and surgery? Does 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 that play a factor? And I'm sure Bryce maybe. wants to play the field. If he seems like a gamer, a guy who loves that's doing that, what I was that's gonna not going to happen. Uh, but the DH situation sucks because Schwarber's a DH, Castellan, Castellanos is a DH. You'd ideally like real Muto to yes, DH more too. to get him off because he caught more games than anyone in baseball last year, and he's not getting any younger, and he has that deal. He has, what, like four four years left on that deal? Something and then he's catching in the World Baseball Classic in March. <laughs> that guy's got innings on him. He should play DH more because you can't miss his bat in the lineup. Uh, I mean – Having a lot of good hitters is a good problem to have. Sure. But uh, the, the pieces aren't uh, seamless fits. Yes. But I do like your optimal. Your optimal outfield defense is Harper and right, Cassianos and left. That's your optimal. Yeah. And then obviously Martian center. That's your optimal outfield defense. And then first base. And it, like, it, I, you know, Schwarber's the, as a DH is your best bet. Um. I mean, you also, the other thing is, too, like, I don't know. And Schwarber's a guy who maybe you don't want playing in the field because he's, a, you know, a little, he's not very good in the field. I and mean, I think he would even admit that. And he was also a little dinged up to end the season, right? He had that knee he was fighting all season long. And I'm sure playing left field every day probably didn't help that when you you were going into the season expecting him to DH. I've seen some people speculate, oh, maybe, you, you know, you throw him at first base. I think he's played like 20 if, career games. If you first think base, Reese like, Hoskins sucks at exactly, first base right. in the field, Get a load of college who were playing first base. Yeah, like you don't that he's a DH and a, a, a DH among a team of DHs, and then Bohm, who cl- took some strides and looked at times very good and at times serviceable. Um, His bat isn't enough to play him at first base. There's this there's this speculation yeah. of well, if they move Bohm the the first, first base, base and sure. maybe move Stock to third or second, blah blah blah. Like uh, maybe he wins a Globe Glove at first base, but he does not hit what you need from a first baseman in that lineup. I do. I'll say this. I think boom. And I know um, the guy who's been banging the drum on that is Ruben Amaro keeps saying like, he's going to, he's going to hit home runs. Like eventually, like he's just, he makes too much contact. He's too big. He's going to get stronger. Like eventually, eventually your your power doesn't really get to in in baseball. If you look at like historic numbers to like 26, 27, 28. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So um, a lot of these doubles, you know, are going to turn into home runs. Like these balls that he smokes into the gap, are he's going to get a little bit more lift on them and they're going to leave the ballpark. I mean, that's, that's just naturally going to happen probably as he gets older and gets stronger. He's just, he's so big, right? Like he's such a big dude. Like he's, it's going to ha- like, so I, I'll say that I do think his bat is going to add some power to it. And he's, he's, I think he's, he's got a chance to hit 300 over a course of a season. I think he's that good of a contact hitter too, but we have some get back to you. Yes. Okay. Go Live on the podcast. First text, no, they're cheap as fuck. <laughs> Second text, they signed Story last year, so they wouldn't need right. to sign a homegrown player who's been one of the best shortstops in baseball for the f- past f- five years. It really adds up, and I'm sure there's a sarcastic tone and really adds up. Yeah. So, in other words, he thinks if the Phillies were to sign Xander Bogarts, it would be a good move. I would think so. Yeah, okay. It's good to have I'll good players. That. People forget that. Yeah, no, hey, yeah. Um but we talked about the outfield defense. Brandon Marsh came in, kind of solidified the center field spot, which was up and down all season long. Dombrowski, really, it was a, a years-long 
issue when you had to keep trotting out a double Herrera, which oh, thank God oh, it's RIP Bozo. Um, Every time um, Marsh made a, a great play during the playoffs, it was like, yeah, that would have went off a like ankle and would have been an inside the park home run. Oh, I know. Um, but the other thing is too, one of the things that I, I kept a close eye on knowing that situation, knowing that the Phillies didn't have a strong center field situation was they had a guy named Johan Rojas in the minors who was going yeah. up to the ranks. And they said, the big thing with him was glove. He's a hell of a fielder um, and speed. He's going to steal some bases. The hit tool is perhaps behind and maybe might not have, you know, might have a little bit of power. Probably the power might actually outweigh the bat at some point. But I mentioned him because they added him to the 40-man roster today. They had to do it because you're not going to let one of your prospects go um, in the Rule 5 year. I think he's only 20 years old. He's he's a young guy, and he's at a double-A last uh- year. Turned 22 in August. Okay, so maybe a little older than I thought. Um, but still, 22 that's years fine. old. Yeah, I mean, that's still <laughs> um, right in you, line. You could, he's a righty. Uh, Marsh is a lefty. You could platoon them. That's true, too. The other thing I was thinking is you just talked is about... Is one, you'd rather do that than Matt friggin' Beerling? Well, of course. Um, I I thought Matt Beerling was actually going to help them this year, and he just did not have a good season. Um, yeah. I thought he showed a little bit of potential at the end of last year. and you know the whole. I agree. I the whole exit velo thing I do buy like if a guy hit, is hitting baseballs hard, eventually that's going to lead to hits. But uh, by the second half of the year, or not even, I mean he started off really slow, came back and was okay, and then just really was not very good from the end of the season into the postseason. But um, so I wouldn't mind to see him getting another shot at being like the fourth or fifth outfielder next year. Um, yeah, but I would like some competition too for that. But that, with all that said, you talked about the idea of trading, you know, making a trade for pitching. Could Rojas be a guy that's dangled? Uh, you know, I don't know how he is viewed among baseball. He's clearly not a top 100 guy or anything. But yeah, um, for a team that like the Phillies, who was looking for a defensive minded first center fielder, the Phillies wanted someone who was a little bit farther along, obviously, in Marsh. And I think I- I'm actually excited to see his potential with the backs. I think he's still got a little bit more that's untapped there. And I think a full offseason i wouldn't mind playing him every day regardless of the, the platooning because i'm with you i thought this yesterday uh recording tuesday the rookie of the year stuff came out for for the respective leagues mm-hmm. and i'm like look at the braves they always have guys in the top they have like multiple guys in the top three and they let those guys play every day they let those guys get in the groove they let those guys figure it out and there's when you're trying to win games and you're trying to make the playoffs different things happen but i think there's legitimacy to letting your young guys play it out and I wish there was there's times where they had played Edmundo Sousa and Matt Vreeling in the playoffs doing that little platoon shift. But then at the same time thinking like these are the reps Stott and Marsh need to progress to legitimate yeah. everyday players that are key cogs, not just maybe this postseason. Because maybe they figure it out in the next week during this run. And if not, maybe they're doing it the entirety of next season and hopefully for them into next year's playoffs. So I like the like again. Office strategy if manager wants to go all platoon and do stuff like that, like it splits, uh, take an analytical approach. But I think there's something to be said of the human element always. Something that I think, you know, as, as guys like we're probably similar, we're always kind of these uh, forward thinking, progressive, you know, minds. This goes beyond baseball, basketball, football. Uh, but I think that that movement, which I, I definitely was a huge part of at times, uh, underrates the human element of not just, uh, you know, development. But the overall just approach to playing professional sports. I'm glad you brought up the human element too, because with Marsh, I, I don't know how much you know about his story, but like that guy went through a lot, man. Yeah. Um, lost his dad. Then like I think it was like within like a month, lost like his best friend growing up. I'm sure that took a huge toll on him and, and it affected his play at times. Like, how could it not? You're a human being and those things happen. And he struggled with the bat mightily. Um with the angels and his swing got very big and very long and they corrected that a little bit with the Phillies, but like you can only do so much in a season. Right. So that's why I'm like really interested to see, you know, um, with Kevin long, who I, I think they extended Kevin long, right? The Phillies they did the entire coaching staff is back. Yeah. Love it. Um, he obviously did a, a tremendous job um, with his team and uh, Stott being one of the guys he worked with and, and uh, Marsh and other uh, of on just shortening their swings and shortening their approaches. And it's it worked out very well. And with more time with Kevin Long, more time this offseason where he's in clearly going to be in a much better place mentally. He knows he's here, right? He got traded to a team that that clearly wants him, a winning team that went to the World Series that he got that taste of the postseason. 
I, I'm really intrigued to see what he does and, and to see kind of how he develops. What I'm not intrigued about is the Philadelphia Flyers. Um, there's a transition for you. The Flyers had a absolute shit week. Um, get crushed by the Columbus Blue Jackets. Johnny Gaudreau, South Jersey native, who was a free agent. Who may have wanted to play for the Flyers. Who may have wanted to play for the Flyers. Strong indications are he wanted to be a Philadelphia Flyer. But there he is, scoring goals for Columbus. Then John Tortorella. I don't know if you saw this. You probably did. He ducks his postgame availability in Columbus. I did see that. With no reasoning. Now, listen. Doc Rivers missed a postgame availability as well, but it was a personal reason. It was a personal matter. That's fine. You squash it, right? As a media member, all right, he had a personal thing. You squash it. You move on. Yeah. When the coach gives no indication as to why they're doing that, and then the next time, the next game, it gets brought up and he gets pissed off about it. What do we like? What bothered me too? And I, I don't want to get, I don't want to do the whole soups, like soapbox, oh, media, huff, blah, 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 hoity toity thing, but like a couple of reasons why that sucked. One, I think only two writers actually traveled. I think it was the, um, um, Olivia and Gia who cover the Flyers for the Inquirer traveled yeah. to Columbus. There were two reporters you had to face, and you ducked them both. They're Could trying have taken to... you at max four or five minutes to, to talk to them. Even if you got it, went out there and got pissed off and gave them something, at least they had a quote. You got, and like, if you got pissed off, you might have given them a great quote, something they could use. They're trying to do their jobs, and that's I'm so that's just shitty. Frankly, it just is. It's shitty to do that. I've heard some stuff behind the scenes that supposedly a writer complained to the hockey writers association about Tortorella. It's a whole thing. Um, it's a pissing match. It's stupid. Um, and then on we top of that, we've seen these things happening with John Tortorella uh, as your head coach. And then on top of that, they get their asses kicked on Saturday with Claude Giroux back in the house. Which, <laughs> like, how's that? Like, two, how two assists from yeah. The like the, the Drew thing happens. The Johnny Hockey thing, and then Drew comes back has I think he had two assists, right? I didn't, I actually didn't watch a second yeah. of that game because of the because of the party, but um. I just watched the Drew stuff because I miss him dearly and I I love Paul Drew. Um and then Sunday, ass kicked again, five one by the stars. It's I think you were on it more than I was because you said you t- when we talked about the benchings early on and you said how you felt like this stuff's gonna grate great on people, you know, whether it's it the, wears it's the, thin players, when the team's but, not if, if you're winning uh hardo rah rah coach's stuff is fine. And you saw different times like Everyone bought into Chip Kelly in 2013. Mm. No one bought into him in 2015. <laughs> and it's just a three-week span we're doing. It's not a three-year span that I'm not, I, I don't like being like, oh, well, I'm glad I'm right. Like, I, don't, I don't really give a fuck if I'm right or not. I'm wrong, I'm wrong more often than not. Most of us are. Yeah. And if I did that, I wouldn't be a media member. I'd be working for a team, right? Yeah. And We're placing a lot of money on bets and winning a lot. Yeah, that's that's not really my <laughs> for, forte. No, neither. Uh, but it, it just seemed like this this was going to happen. It, how could you not see this happen? This yeah. was the most flyers move to hire him, the most flyers ass roster you could have, and you had this little spark that may have captured the fan base's imagination. Had some nice wins, had some wins where they were playing well in all phases of the game, and then shit like this happens, and. I don't know. I thought potentially maybe this is a year they stay in the playoffs and you never know what happens there. It's, it's hockey. It's different. And that didn't necessarily mean they're going to be a contender two years from now. They could be freaking terrible next year if they make the playoffs this year. Uh, but uh, sinking ship vibes. Man. It's November. It's and I just like, I, I'm, I'm never going to get over the, them not signing a drill. Cause here's, so for me, doesn't that seem like a Flyers thing though? Like I don't yeah. get that aspect. Like, and I mean this no, in a actually, positive way. Like I, maybe I, you're like yeah. back ass thinking of like this this idea you have of how to construct a team would have been better because you'd be like, this guy's like from here, South Jersey. He wants to be a effing <laughs> Flyer. You want to be an effing Flyer? Like, let's get the fan base. Let's sell some tickets. Like I thought that would have been their mo. And maybe again, maybe there are other reasons. Uh, you know, issues that came up with him not coming here, not wanting to come here, wanting to come here, whatever. Uh, but. Whatever philosophy you had, it seemed obvious to bring this guy in. Just a, a no 
no-brainer. Of no, and for so I'll, I'll lay it out for me. Free agency comes. I, I didn't like anything they did prior to free agency. I didn't like the Tortorella hire. My thing was, all right, if you sign Goudreau, I I I I don't want to say I'm all in, but I'm I, I'm excited about that, right? Like I I'm not kidding. I was looking. I'm like, all right, how much do Flyers jerseys run these days? I'm going to get myself and Miles matching Johnny Goudreau jerseys. That's how excited I was for that possibility. Then not only do they not do that. Then they trade and sign Tony D'Angelo. And it's like, 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 it's like, it's, it felt like it didn't feel real. It felt let's, like I was being, let's do mocked. the complete opposite of what they <laughs> yeah. should have done. The story Wrong of the modern South Flyers. Jersey. Wrong South Jersey player. Um, so yeah, I, I'm, I will never get over it. I'm not exaggerating when I say that. I will, as a Flyers fan, I will never get over Good. Johnny like Gaudreau. Good. Being a Columbus Blue Jacket and not being a Philadelphia Flyer. You're going to tell me, Chuck Fletcher, you couldn't figure out a way to move James Van Rienzog's money. Teams are moving players left and right. Bad contracts. They're finding a way to do it. And you could. Those are probably better run teams. I think that's the yeah. issue with that. That's kind of what I'm getting at there. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> but it's just the issue there is everything else. <laughs> just. The farther you go up the ladder, chaos is a ladder, the more chaotic it goes with this organization. Oh my God. And it's just, it's, it's hard. It's hard to want, like, for me, for with the Flyers, and we, I, I know you and I have talked about this. And, and like, for me, in like the, the, like 2010 ish era of my life, I could reasonably say that I liked all four, like watching all four sports teams pretty much equally. And that's not exaggeration. Yeah. Like I got just as excited for the Flyers going to the Stanley Cup as I did, you know, the Phillies making another playoff run or, you know, the Eagles making the playoffs. Like I got, I literally got just as excited for those things. I want to be excited about the Flyers. I want to root for the Flyers, but I don't. I am so apathetic. Like it's, I'm pissed off about Goudreau. Like I'm never gonna not be pissed off about that. But the team in general, I'm so apathetic. And I actually have I have a perfect symbolism thing for you. Uh, the other night, I don't. Uh, I guess it was after it was after Embiid's performance. So Embiid has this ridiculous night. He's great. He's he's amazing. Uh, walking out of the arena as I as I often do with my my good pal Noah Levick from NBC Sports Philly, we're walking out together chatting over the game, talking about, you know, just kind of like the vibes and all that. And it's like, again, just so the vibes were so good. It was such a cool thing to be a part of. We're walking by the, the team shop store, you know, I'm talking about right there, kind of like right yeah. by, yeah, the team shops are right there. And there's like a little, uh, like a booth or something like that. And it's like a customization thing. So I guess, you know, that you bring it to this booth and they can give you a custom Jersey, whatever, or you order one. I don't know how it works, but you look at, at the banner on the front and it's, you know, the flyers and the Sixers logos. Have Joel and Beat on one side. On the other side, you have Rasmus Ristolainen. Does that not say it all? Can't like, argue with you. It's insane. Um, I got way more passionate about that than I thought I was going to get. But, Good, we needed it. I liked yeah. it. Flyers <laughs> inevitably are kind of the fourth peg in our in our podcast. Sure, and perhaps that changes in the future. But I liked it. Well, if they keep doing this shit, then no, they're, they're going to stay right where they are. Um, and the union might surpass them soon enough. Um, if you and I both, we, we should discuss like that last week, right? Yeah. That the union probably would have been in a position that kind of, yeah, we should, yeah, you know, we should plan an outing next year. You and I go to, go to a <sighs> union game. That'd be sick. The thirsty dog drink faster podcast go, goes to a union game. I think that could be a thing. And we, gets, we gets could turn it into out. something. We could I turn it know. like we could make it so like, Hey, union fans, like, you know, I'm sure, you know, you wish we talked more soccer on our pod and we, you know, more union. All right. Well, we're going to bring it to you. Like, talk to us. Right. I love it. I think we're going to talk to some people. Um, Million dollar idea. <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, we're probably going to have to spend the money to it. But no. Um, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wrap it up on that note. Oh man! Uh, anything else you wanted to add? Anything about uh, a- anything Eagles wise? Or I mean, I guess we didn't really touch on um, next week, or or, or how you kind I of hope, think the, the Flyers go. I hope Nick Falls is active on Sunday. Wow! This is the first time they will have face Falls. Right. 
Damn, what if he was fucking playing? That would be sick. <laughs> from like a from like a media standpoint, they would have had to send oh, me. I think it's a content central. Good lord. Um, uh, it's a shame. Yeah, maybe we'll get some nice see some nice pics of him and some players or stuff like that. I Jason still can't Kelsey. believe Jeff Saturday is their head coach, and he won a game. I still can't um, believe Nick Falls has a Super Bowl MVP to his name. <laughs> I can. He's a goat. Um, I meant that in a good way, obviously. Yeah, I know. I <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the Thirsty Dogs Drink Faster podcast. For Seamus Clancy, I'm Paul Hudrick. Please rate, download, subscribe wherever you get your podcast, and we will talk to you all next time. Thanks.